So I've had quite a few awkward encounters in my life. And uh, by awkward, I mean I'm just encompassing all kinds of danger, uh, stupidity, just everything. Just everything in there I've encountered. um, I've been in quite a few, let's just, why don't we say just weird? Let's just say weird encounters. And, uh, and I'll, I'll never forget one, um, well, uh, you know, there's a couple that made my list that I just wanted to, I, I'm not going to talk about them, but um, okay, I'll talk about them. Briefly, um, I've lied to people for a long time about how this one encounter happened. Uh, in sixth grade, I made fun of this, this girl. You got, some of y'all probably heard me tell the story. I made fun of this girl uh, for this guy that she liked. And for the longest time, I told the story like she hit me in the back of the head with a chair because she was so angry at me, right? That's not actually how it happened. Um, how it happened was like I was spouting off to her, just talking, I was saying really bad things to her. And she got up and was like, what's up, bro? What you gonna do about it? And um, that's, that's how I remember her voice. I'm not kidding you at all, okay? And, uh, and, and she, she, she said that and I'm like, Okay, what's up? I'm new in junior high. I got something to prove, all right? I'm trying, I'm trying to make a name for myself uh, amongst all the other people who are bigger than me. Let's go, okay? So we're actually in computer lab. I stand up in computer lab, right, like this way. I stand up and I'm like, what's up? What's going on? You heard what I said, right? And what I had yelled across the room was somewhat, something along the lines of that guy is not a very nice guy. He is not liked by anyone, he's a freak. All, I mean, there were was, there was some words that were not, that I can't use on this stage, you know, in particular, used in there, right? Because I haven't always been a very nice uh, Christian, okay? So just, you've been there too. So, but, but I yelled these things, so she's naturally super angry. She gets up, like, what's up? I'm like, all right, let's go, what's up? I'm not letting my pride back down, okay? She makes her way across the room. I'm like, all right, we going, okay, we going, okay, yes. I'm doing this, my first fight in junior high, let's go, okay? And how I told the story for a long time was like, she kind of pushed me a little bit, and I, I, I kind of shrugged it off, and then she picked up a chair, hit me in the back of the head with a chair, and I, got, I went to the hospital, got staples. How it actually happened, and I'm just gonna come clean with you, okay? Um, she put me in a headlock, and, uh, and then threw me to the ground, and I just happened to hit a chair. <laughs> She walks over and it's like, she walks over and I'm like, yeah, 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 what's up? She swipes my hands out of the way. I turn, she grabs me, throws me in a, in a headlock and then goes, bop, bop, wham. So it throws me down on a chair. My head bursts open and um, that's just one of the many weird encounters I've had in my life. Embarrassments, maybe, maybe, maybe it's better to call them embarrassments. But tonight we're going to look at a story where Jesus is looked at and he encounters this woman, and this is seriously looked at at the time as one of the weirdest, most obscene, unique encounters uh, that could take place. Because Jesus is a Jew, and in this story in John chapter 4, he encounters a Samaritan woman. And we'll get to why that's important in a minute. But let's, let's jump into to John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing. That's just, they had heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. 
Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So to, to understand these first three verses, you've got to kind of look backwards into chapter 3. And in chapter 3 of John, you know, there's, you know, there's like really one really, really famous verse in John chapter 3, verse 16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That, that happens right before this, okay? Jesus is talking about salvation right before he encounters this woman. But right before he says that, he encounters a, a guy named Nicodemus who is really kind of the guy that everyone would look up to and want to be, man. He is, the, every Jew would want to be. He is very religious, right? It says that he is a, a very known man or very powerful man. I mean, he is an icon, okay? And he comes to Jesus at night and he he kind of affirms who Jesus is. He wants to know more about who Jesus is, but he kind of affirms him, right, at night. Not in daylight, so he's not embarrassed by all his friends and has to say it out loud, right, and maybe even cast out from his Jewish friends. But he comes and he says it at night. He goes, hey, Jesus, what's up, man? Um, uh, <laughs> you've been doing a lot of signs and miracles. Um, that's cool. I believe that. That's awesome, right? And then Jesus goes into this, you know, to talk about truly, truly, I say to you, right? And, and you can read that in chapter 3. Then he goes to John 3.16 where he talks about salvation. And then they skip forward to where Jesus and John the Baptist, you might have heard of him, uh, he comes out where they are baptizing together in this area of Judea, right? And people begin talking about Jesus and John baptizing people. And Jews did not like that this was happening because Jews at the time did not believe that Jesus was the Savior. And baptism was a symbol and still is a symbol today of you accepting Jesus as your Savior. And Jews were like, they held on to their religion like nothing else. It was the most important thing to them. And so anyone who was going to intrude on that was the enemy. And so we get, in, we get in the first three verses, and Jesus hears that these people are getting angry at him. Now listen, I, I, I'm in no means going to say that Jesus left Judea out of fear, okay? I don't believe that at all. I believe that in every step you read about Jesus in the New Testament, he didn't just have a physical direction, but he had a spiritual direction, and so he had, he had let the gospel loose in Judea. He had started talking about Jesus in Judea, and people had grabbed on to the message of Jesus, and they had started getting baptized, like in, in truckloads, so much so that the Jews, the religious people of the time, were worried. They were like, people are leaving our church. They're going to that church. What is going on? they got to be from Satan, right? Like, that's what they're looking at Jesus saying, okay? And so Jesus goes to this next place. He shared the gospel here. He moves on to Galilee, and then we make it finally to verse 4, where John records. Now, he, that's Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Let's read 4 through 6. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So last week, you know, Ryan talked a lot about kind of uh, knowing Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus. And tonight, I, I, I really wanted to give you three, it's kind of three and a half, just really simple why Jesus answers. Okay, if you, if you are a follower of Jesus or you know that you should follow Jesus, I just want to reiterate and tell you why. 
Why Jesus? Why follow Jesus? Why know Jesus? And the first one is because Jesus finds us. Why encounter Jesus? Why follow Jesus? Is because Jesus finds us. Jesus came to us. I want you to look. There's one verse devoted to these seven words. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Listen, Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria, okay? I know you guys don't have a map in your head of what that looks like. Maybe a few of you do. But let me break it down for you really easy with a couple fingers and, and, and a map like this, okay? So this is Judea, okay? This is Galilee. Jesus is trying to go from point A to point B. And let me tell you, there was a straight line, okay? He could have pretty much went from Judea to Galilee, all right? But in the middle there was Samaria. And Jews, because they did not like Samaritans, because they looked at Samaritans as half-breeds, there's this long history, if you come to Sunday mornings, we're about to get there, where Judea and what's later known as Samaria actually split up, okay? And, uh, and there's this long history, it's all bloodbath and stuff you don't want to hear about right now. But basically, the Jews do not like the Samaritans. They view them as half-breeds. They are pagans. They are people who cannot worship in the temple, cannot follow their God. And so they did everything they could. Look, there was a straight path here. But they chose to pretty much create their own path. And instead of going from Judea to Galilee in a pretty much straight line, they decided to go in a real long circle. That's how far out of their way they went to get away from Samaritans, how much they didn't like the Samaritan people. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. There was another physical path. Jews did not associate with Samaritans, but despite the fact that there was another physical path, for Jesus, there was only one spiritual path. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. There's only one spiritual path in the eyes of Jesus. There might have been multiple ways to get to Galilee, to physically walk to Galilee, but there's only, there was only one spiritual way for Jesus to get to Galilee, and that was through Samaria. That was through a pile of lost people. A pile of hurting people, sick people, deaf people, outcast people, leprous people, depressed people, confused people, suicidal people, homosexual people. That's where Jesus went. Because in Jesus' life, he models running straight towards everyone who needs help. Why Jesus? Because he finds us. Let me tell you, you don't have to go searching for Jesus. He'll find you. So Jesus sits down by this well. Verse 5, so he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So a long time ago in the Old Testament, God calls Jacob to this new place. And Jacob goes. And he, and he, he settles in this place where this well is, and there are springs of water that come out of the mountains by where he is. Fresh water, good water. But Jacob decides 
Jacob, listen, Jacob decides to dig his own well out of safety, security, whatever you want to put there. Jacob, maybe out of fear that there is someone already in that water source, is afraid that if he goes over there, something bad is going to happen or that's going to push him out or they're going to fight him or they're going to kill part of his family or they're going to do whatever, decides to stay put in the safety and security of the place and not continue on maybe to the living water that God had for him and try to dig a deep well to get water out of it. And what's awesome about this well that Jacob tried to create his own living water and, and Jacob tried to gain, to find a source of life in the middle of a desert and a desolate place is number two. You see, Jesus finds us, but Jesus doesn't just find us like on a map and then say, oh, that's cool, he's over there, check that out. Like you would look at a, like a map of continents. Jesus actually meets us where we are. He meets us where we are. And so this, this, this well that was dug by Jacob that honestly, seriously represents real life, a sense of security, a hope in yourself, maybe even a sense of pride. Because water, they did, they did find water. And to this day, there's water in Jacob's well. There is. It's a fresh spring that they dug down to and they found water in. See, Jesus finds us, Jesus meets us where we are. And then the Samaritan woman, as Jesus comes to this well, right, and he sits down on the side of the well, a Samaritan woman walks up, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Remember, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And, so, and, and even more so, Jewish men definitely didn't associate with Samaritan women, didn't talk to Samaritan women, didn't look at Samaritan women. That was not a thing. Or they became literally ritually unclean, and they would have to go wash themselves. And yet Jesus opens up this conversation. And she's shocked, right? You see her response. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? And then Jesus answers. This is so good. Jesus answers simply with, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So she's, so she's literally here, focused on the physical, focused on the now, focused on the, yo, bro, uh, here's the deal. Um, my kind don't talk to your kind. <laughs> right, like that's not how this goes, okay? This is not a normal thing. Why are you talking to me? Don't you have, like, disciples who are supposed to do this for you? people who are around you, who help you, who can get this for you. And Jesus asks her this question really in a response 
to get the conversation going because this woman appears at noon. You see, most women in that day, they, they would draw water in the morning or they would draw it at night. They didn't draw it in the, at noontime. She was, this showed that she was very lonely, possibly even fully alone for the way that she lived her life, maybe as a prostitute, maybe as just a really bad person, but she didn't really have any friends because she didn't come to social hour with all the other ladies either in the morning or at night. And yet Jesus, remember, Jesus is there. She's wondering why Jesus is there. She's wondering why Jesus is talking to her. But remember, Jesus had one spiritual path on his mind, and it led straight to her. Straight to her. She's looking at this as a weird encounter. Jesus is looking at this as divine appointment. So I, I will n- never forget uh, the first, and we didn't do this a lot growing up, okay? Uh, we, were, we were the family that would get in a van and, like, drive. Like, my mom would come home. She was a teacher. My mom would come home on a Friday, and she'd be like, let's load up and go. And at one point, we had a big brown, like, rolling van, Astro van, kind of like a big, you know, you know what I'm about to say, kind of like a big brown van rolling down the road, okay? I'm just going to say, it looked like a big turd going down the road, okay? That's, that's what it looked like, all right? It did, it did, okay? And, uh, and, and, we, and we would go everywhere, everywhere, right? But as I got older, my parents decided that we needed to go on a cruise, okay? Never been on a cruise before, never been out of the country before, really never been out of any kind of redneck stop or Cracker Barrel before, okay? Because that's what we did. We made a loop through the country, stopped at every Cracker Barrel on the way down, you know, like, what's up? What more do you need? That's all I knew. We go on this cruise, okay, and we go, uh, we go somewhere in the Caribbean. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember, okay? Uh, but one of the things that we did that was so out of the box for my family, all right? My family, I, I just don't remember doing a lot of, like, out-of-the-box excursion-type things. We were the family that would go, literally, like I said, go to, like, a Cracker Barrel, okay? Or we would, like, drive up a mountain, stand at the top, and go, man, this is cool, right? Like, <laughs> we wouldn't zip line down the mountain. Like, like we're, we're not that family. We just go to the top and look, okay? But we go on this cruise, and my parents kind of lose their mind, and they're like, we need to do something awesome. Tomorrow morning, we're going to hang out with stingrays. And I'm like, that killed Steve Irwin. I don't think I'm in. Okay? And so we get, like, you get off the boat, and we go, we, we get on this other boat, like tiny boat, and we ride for like an hour, all right? An hour of adrenaline and nerves are like building up inside of me this whole time, okay? And I'm like, <laughs> I seen that. I saw this on TV, okay? <laughs> I was alive, all right? I remember, okay? I attended it via, I attended the funeral via online, okay? I was there. I don't like stingrays, never have in my life. Then we get there, they tell you, oh, it's safe, man, jump off the boat, okay? That's probably not how they talk. Actually, I'm positive that's not how we talk because we were in the Caribbean, not Australia, but it is what it is, okay? I said it, I can't take it back, it is what it is. And I'm just going to stick to it. So we, ju- we they, they get us off the boat. They put us in a life jacket, okay, and we're in, like, water up, up, up to here, all right? And they're like, 
Here's the first rule. I'm like, great, we're to the rules. Safety first and then fun. Safety first and then fun, right? They're like, always shuffle your feet. I'm like, what? (laughs) Shuffle your feet? That's a dumb rule, right? Like, shuffle your feet. If you shuffle your feet, you'll scare the stingrays. They'll hear you coming, and they'll swim away. And if you don't, then you're in danger of getting poked in the heart. And I'm like, okay, I'm shuffling my feet. Right, like, number one, I'm like, I don't know how it's going to, the water's here, I'm here, okay, whatever. But I'm shuffling my feet through the water, right? I'm shuffling my feet, I feel like I'm shuffling for a mile, okay? Like, I'm like this, and we just keep walking. We walk out to this encaged area, okay? I guess this is just, I guess it's just a farm they keep them in. I don't know, out there in the middle of the ocean, all right? And we're just like, we're shuffling our feet all the way out there, and they're like, okay, we're here. Now, this is what you need to do, all right? You need to get down in a crouch position. And I'm like, that's not safe, remember? And so I get down into a crouched position, okay, and I'm like this. They're like, like you're catching a large ball. And I'm like, okay, great. And so I go like this, right, like I'm in the water now. Like I'm in chest deep in the water. My hands are underneath. And they're like, now check this out. And there's this guy who's had kind of his back to us the whole time, and he's got this what I don't know at the time, okay, he's got this very large dangerous animal, all right, that he's holding and he turns around and he goes, here's Bertha, right? Like, and he like, okay? He's like, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> like, I mean, what do I do in the moment, right? Like, stingray coming at me, do I run? They said, don't run. They said, shuffle your feet, it's dangerous. I'm in a whole like box of, there's so many emotions running through my mind. I don't know what to do. I don't know yes or no. So I just freeze and I'm like this, Bertha, <laughs> yay. <laughs> Right, like, and so this stingray, like, swims up to me, right? Like, he glides it in. And then what they don't tell you, okay, or what maybe you got told, what I didn't get told, is that these things have the suction power of, like, a massive, like, stadium vacuum, okay? Like, state-of-the-art, best vacuum, sucks trash out of a trash, I don't know, whatever the best vacuum you think of, it is a suction cup, okay? So this thing gets on me, and then he goes, oh, remember, they could leave a large hickey on your chest. And I'm like, that's rule number two, right? Like, that's somewhere in the top. You got to tell me these things. First, shuffle your feet. Second, Careful, a, ma- a stingray is going to come to you, let it glide into your arms, but don't let it touch your chest, and then three, squat, right? That's when you squat, right, after you know the second rule, okay? So it swims up to me, and if you ever held one of these things, they're, like, so slimy, okay? Like, I like animals. Give me, I, I do. I, I like animals, enjoy animals, but this thing is, like, in my arms, and I'm like, nah, not what I'm meant for. Not, nope. My dreams of working in the sea world, they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> Never again, right? Like, have you ever found yourself in one of those positions where you're just like, oh, (laughs) this is so weird. And still to this day, that's how I feel about it. I just feel that it was weird and that it was awkward and that I just wanted to be out of that moment. And that's how the Samaritan woman felt. Real deal. She felt like, this is so weird, dude. Why are you talking to me? I want to be out of here. But then Jesus continued the conversation. Check this out. Jesus keeps it going. 
If you knew the gift of God, he's referring to the Old Testament where he talks about people who literally in the Old Testament before Jesus were saved by their faith. He says, if you knew that if you just had faith in God, you would be saved. And who it is, me, Jesus, the Son of God, the guy who gives salvation, right? If, if, if it was me that you were asking for a drink, you wouldn't ask me for this stuff that comes out of the well. You would ask me for the living water that only I can give. And look, I've been here before too. The lady didn't get it. She didn't get it. Next week, I'm going to talk a lot about my testimony and some misconceptions that I had about myself. And I had a lot of misconceptions about myself because I missed a lot of moments. And some of you in here and tonight have missed a lot of moments. And some of you probably have friends who have missed a lot of moments. This lady encounters Jesus. He pretty much tells her, yo, look, I'm the savior of the world. And then she turns around in verse 11 and says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with. Right? Like, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? The dude just said it came from him, right? Like, he said, I'm handing it out freely. And she's like, well, you don't have a bucket, right? Like, (laughs) hello, right? Hello, okay. Then verse, she ends it with, where can you get this living water? Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did all his sons. Now listen, don't forget. Don't forget the first two. Why Jesus? Why encounter Jesus? Why follow Jesus? Why have a relationship with Jesus? Number one, because he finds us. And number two, because once he finds us, he meets us where we are. Without a doubt, every time, 110%. Okay, it's not like nine out of ten times. It's like 110%. He finds you and he meets you exactly where you are, no matter the way you're living, no matter the stuff you're living in, or no matter the stuff you're going through, Jesus finds you and meets you right where you are. And even when we are so blind and so dumb to exactly what Jesus is saying to us, listen, he'll say it again. Because that's what this lady, that's what happened right here. Jesus said it to her. And then she turns around and she's, listen, she hasn't made it to the spiritual side yet. She doesn't get he's in the spiritual realm. He, she doesn't get he's talking about eternity. All she sees and all she hears is the physical, okay, well, I came here for water, all right? I come here every day uh, just trying to draw a little water here. I would love to never have to come back here again. Um, where's the living water, right? Like, where's the water that I never have to get again? And then Jesus answers, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Talking about the water in the well, the physical water. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become In them, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Earthly water quenches thirst only for a short time. You see, Jesus finds us, meets us where we are, encounters us because he knows thirst is not quenched. Listen is not quenched by something that can be found here on earth. 
it's only quenched through him and by him. Jesus is the only, only source of water that will keep you from running dry. But it's crazy. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. The woman missed it again. She missed it again. I mean, what more? What more? does Jesus have to do to get in this lady's head? And what more does Jesus have to do to get in your head? Jesus is here. Let me tell you, he found you in here tonight. He came here tonight to meet with you. The voice in the back of your head or the tug on your heart, right? That's not heartburn. That's Jesus, okay? I hate to break it to you. Actually, I love breaking those little things to you. That's Jesus. The little voice in your head that might be getting you all nervous right now and saying, oh no, what's he gonna say? He better not talk about Jesus. He better not talk about, you know, accepting Jesus and standing up because if he does, I don't know if I can do that. I'm too nervous to do that. You want me to tell you who that is? That's Satan. You want to, can I just let you in? My wife was back there with me for the first time. She got to see what it looks like before I walk up on stage and teach. And I try to keep this every single time, right? Before I got up on stage, I'll tell you a little snippet. I prayed that when I got up here today, that Satan would be nowhere close to this stage. Because Paul in the New Testament, right, a little after John here, talks about how our battle in life is not a physical battle. You guys are so talented. Every single one of you in the room, you are so talented. You're going to do awesome things. I believe it wholeheartedly. But you can live a life that is empty and full of, a, and full of, of like a water that is not eternal. You can live a life where every single day you have to take your bucket to the well and refill it because your life is based on the things of the world. Or you could choose for maybe the first time tonight to ask Jesus to give you a living water that will never run dry, but in fact, he says, will well up in you to overflowing. You know what I prayed for back there before I came up? Is that even if some of you in this room right now are struggling with the voice of Satan who wants to tell you, remember, we are fighting a spiritual battle. He wants to tell you that you're not good enough or that you shouldn't make this decision or that the small little white lie and sin that you're living is okay. He wants, to, he wants to plant that in your brain and keep it there because he wants to keep you from the well that never runs dry. And tonight you have the opportunity to say, get out of my head, Satan. I stand for Jesus Christ. I claim his living water as my own. And if that's you tonight, 
Man, and for, and for the longest time, you've been coming to the well to draw a water that you're just going to have to come back and get again. And you need to, for the first time, draw a water that's going to last through eternity. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus Christ is that water. And very simply, if you want, if you want that relationship with Jesus, if you want to come to the well and draw from the water that only Jesus offers, Paul in Romans talks about how very simply all you have to do is believe in your heart Jesus is Lord. Confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead. Believe and confess that Jesus is who he says he is. Then you can be saved. So with every head bowed.